Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Perth Paisley podcast, a podcast dedicated to the side that sit on top of the Scottish Championship, Heart of Midlothian Football Club. Five wins from six matches, thanks to the weekend win against Greenock Morton at Capilo, our first match through there since 1987. And joining me to discuss Hart's latest victory, amongst other things, is Mr. Daniel McIver. How are we getting on, Daniel? Well, I'm in awe of your fantastic statistics. I didn't expect this. Thanks very much. It's a, a little bit of prep. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't know anything about that, but I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm excellent. I'm, I'm obviously flattered by your, your compliments regarding my, my <laughs> prep. It's good to see that my hard work is being rewarded. Um, and I've obviously, I was left entertained by your, your football manager antics on, on Sunday evening. Um, some superb yes. stuff with the mighty jambos. So here's your chance to drop a wee a wee plug. Fire away. Oh, it's been good. Um, so for people who don't follow me on Twitter, I regularly live stream on Twitch. And recently, due to the new release of the new Football Manager game, I started a, a secondary save as Valencia in the beta. But in the last few weeks, I've been playing as Hearts. We're in our first season, so it's basically this season. Just had an interesting one where we got to the Betfred se- quarter, f- no semi final, where we got battered off Aberdeen. However, we were previously on a 16 game win run, so it's that top quality level of management you can expect. If you want to watch it, I tweet about it. So just at McIver the Mark on Twitter, and you'll get all the links there. Of course, if you're following Perth Paisley on Twitter, I'll try and retweet Daniel's tweets whenever he's going live. But we're discussing real-life matters today, of course. Today's agenda will chat about the routine result in Renfrewshire for Hearts at the weekend, the, the Gorgie girls getting the better of Hibs in the weekend's Edinburgh Derby. We'll have a wee glance at our Scottish Cup final opponents, Celtic's form of late, all the, the kind of hoo-ha surrounding them, and discuss the upcoming Championship match with Queen of the South at Tynecastle. Plenty of stuff to discuss. Absolutely. Um so before we get into talking selection and discuss the match itself, uh, Robbie Nielsen said in his pre-match press conference that he thought the most important thing that Hearts did at the weekend was win, um, primarily due to, obviously, the defeat against Alloa. Um, but he did highlight previously that we'd won 80% of our matches prior to Saturday and we had to put our recent results to bed. Um, Daniel, just how pleased are you with Saturday's result? Were there any nerves for you heading into this clash, given a recent away day disasters with uh, Alloa and Dunfermline? I was about to say purely because it was away there was a wee bit of nerves um, I obviously gave a mental prediction on a podcast of 3-2 but my actual kind of like head football head on was 2-1 Morton purely just because I thought we're away from home we've been dire away from home even when we won because when we won away at our broth it was a very hard fought win we did get the result but it was we missed a lot of chances and towards the end our both were kind of piling on the pressure so I was in no way confident Uh, however I should be pessimistic more often because we absolutely got the job done but what about you were you thinking we've got this or were you a bit worried I I, like you I I was skeptical obviously having having um slavered on about you know kind of our away day disasters last week um and i think i think the criticism was justified like you say with the arbroath result obviously it was great to win but again wasn't all that convincing dunfermline for the most part we were second best and obviously having seen us at recreation park um i thought we'd we'd got what we deserved robbie was keen to highlight the fact that we'd only lost one league game so far this campaign and that everybody could kind of beat everyone else in the division um, he did obviously praise Morton and say that they would be tricky make it uh, tricky for us, try to go compact go kind of four, 5 four, one even did you feel that heading into the game that this would be a team we could struggle to break down? Absolutely and when you watch the game as well it's almost two banks of five honestly it's like one of the most defensive performances I've seen in recent years I remember Laurie was saying on his commentary that he couldn't believe believe quite how defensive Morton were because obviously every team has been defensive against us with the exception of Hibs and even then they weren't as all guns blazing as a lot of people thought they were going to be but Morton took that to the next level they did nothing all game apart from one chance 
that went past the post. But apart from that, they offered absolutely nothing. But pre-match, that was the worry, and they were just going to grind out a result. Um, Robbie was very quick to speak about the kind of performance this season, and I do actually support him in that. I saw some people grumble about it, but I do agree, like, in this league, we shouldn't be losing that many games or dropping that many points. But other teams, even Dunfermline and Wraith, who are doing really well just now, will most likely stumble against each other a few times, whereas we should only stumble once or twice. So I really did appreciate Robbie making those comments. And then this weekend actually perfectly encapsulated it with us getting a very dominant win and then Dunfermline and Wraith stumbling against each other. I was going to say, and, and Rovers will be kicking themselves with the fact that they were obviously two to the good as well in that game. Um, yeah. Robbie was kind of keen to place real emphasis on the fact that we had good players and pre-match, obviously the, the setup I think kind of threw a few surprises in there. Um, at first glance, I thought it was maybe a, a 4-3-3, but then I saw talk on Twitter kind of suggested a, a 4-4-2 diamond. How did you first feel kind of when you saw the, the assortment of names? Because I'll be honest... I didn't have a scooby what formation we were playing. I knew that the back four and keeper were obviously apparent. But then it just appeared to be a, a free-for-all after that. I was very much the same. We obviously spoke to each other about minutes before the game, being like, what is this formation? Um, however, the two most notable aspects of the team were an inclusion and a non-inclusion. Uh, initially, it looked like Robbie Nielsen had bottled it after you grilled him after Aloha and had dropped Liam Boyce. And that got a lot of talking immediately however then post-match we find out Robbie was planning to play him but he has a wee niggle in his hamstring so he didn't want to risk him he was actually then going to bring him on for the last 15 minutes but Boyce said I'm not risking it it still feels a wee bit tight so there's not much we can comment on about that Boyce was going to be starting however didn't but the major major inclusion was that of Andy Irving and as soon as I saw Irving was in the team I genuinely started to get more confident and I think that's the ability that he has because he is the only player in this team who as soon as he gets the ball his first thought is to look up and play a ball forward and I just thought that's what we need against teams like this and then in terms of the formation I actually think you were right with your initial thing watching that first half play out I think we were a 4-3-3 with Walker on the left hand side and Naismith on the right yeah, certainly, obviously, we'll get into discussing Jamie Walker, but he was having a lot of joy kind of down that left-hand side. Um, obviously, you, t- you touched on the changes there, but Craig Halkett missed the Aloha defeat through injury. He came back into the fray for the for the Morton match. In midfield, Halliday, Lee, Walker all kept their places with, like you say, Andy Irving joining them in the middle of the park, Peter Haring making way, and Liam Boyce and Eddie White despite obviously Eddie White conducting a pre-match presser and me grilling Robbie. Well, in fact, let's just play the clip again. Robbie, it's another blank for Liam Boyce this afternoon. Do you plan on persisting with him for Morton coming up? Of course, mate. He's a top striker, isn't he? So obviously me asking Robbie about Liam Boyce. Um, and Before they... you go on, by the way, A.D. White is the most Yorkshire man ever, and I had no idea. Is is he not? Is he not Barnsley born? But he just plays for Ireland because he qualifies through someday. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. but I just never. I didn't realize how strong his accent is. <laughs> um, I loved it. I loved it. I do like a Yorkshire accent, to be fair. So I'm described as someone who looks like a playable character in a game. I think which I felt was a bit harsh I, I thought the best that I saw was somebody on Twitter saying that he looked like uh, Mr Burns from The Simpsons he does <laughs> um, I've also heard him described as a wet pigeon yeah I saw I that, that was well. Mr. I, I think I that was remember. Robert Borthwick yeah. actually well the wet pigeon and Liam Boyce <laughs> made way uh, for Craig Whiting and Stephen Naismith like you say we were obviously struggling to work out the formation. Still, no real concerns was there regarding selection because that team on paper should be enough to see pretty much everyone in this league. Absolutely. It's like 
almost as full strength as we possibly can get with up without Boyce and Naismith and uh, hearing. And you know, I I thought the actual game itself it it did seem to pan out that way. It looked pretty routine for us. I think first half. I felt as though before we scored that actually most of our efforts were from range. There's kind of seemed to be a real reluctance to build, I don't want to say easier opportunities, but perhaps more scoreable ones within the kind of 18-yard box. No, I I disagree. I disagree. This is what I've wanted to see from this team for recent weeks now. Think about it, right? See, last time we were in the Championship under Nielsen, the amount of goals we scored outside the box were 71% of the goals. That's right. a lot of goals. 71%? A, yep, 71%. I have that on good authority as well. That is a lot Jeez. of goals. And my issue has been, when you're playing against teams who are defending in a low block with loads of men behind the ball, what that should allow you is more space on the kind of 20-yard line. So as a result, just hit it at times when we have creative players who clearly can show that. Because we've got players like Stephen Naismith, Liam Boyce, Ollie Lee, Craig Whiten, Jamie Walker, <clears throat> Andy Irvin, Scott McGill. Players who can just take a ball and just even... and Like, obviously on the injury list just now, but Ginelli, he did it against Dundee. Kingsley did it twice against Dundee. Like, what that creates is a choice for a defender. Either you throw yourself in front of it, And then either that's deflected out for a corner, back to one of our players, a stramash, or it potentially could hit an arm and be a penalty. Or they panic and get out the way and it creates a space. So when you're an attacking, pressing team, you should be having efforts outside the box because it creates this dichotomy where defenders have to start going, or management of the opposition have to start going, right, we're allowing them far too many shots to the edge of the box, so we need to push and then that creates space inside to get in the box. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually speechless. That, that you're showing your tactical know-how as to why you're such a successful football manager within that. He said, 16 games wins, mate. It's but, not just all luck. Can I, can I say, first of all, I'm impressed with the, the use of the word dichotomy. Never heard, of, never heard of that in my puff. And secondly, I, I hadn't considered that at all. Um, how delighted were you to see my player of the year nominee grab a brace in this game well there's three points to this first of all gutted that in this game you were proven right in a, in a way gutted almost would have taken the loss just so that you couldn't sit here smug pleasing but the two actual points are one I absolutely slaughtered Walker last week much like I did the week before last with Halliday and then he put in a man of the match performance Walker then put the man in the match performance, so we're going to need to dedicate a segment each week to me slaughtering somebody, <laughs> and there'll be class the next game. Um, but my actual analytical takeaway is that this was the first game, I think, this season, or actually maybe that Jamie Walker has come back to the club, where he just stuck to the position he was told to be in. Because the amount of times this season where we saw him and Naismith occupying the exact same space, and clearly one of them weren't meant, wasn't meant to be there, he's been played out on the right and he drifts in. He's been played centrally and he drifts out. He was clearly just told, Jamie, stay on that left-hand side. And he did it the entire game. I don't think he cut in once. I don't remember him doing it at all, apart from technically his goal, where he rounds the player, but it's not even really cutting in. I was about to say, yeah, because that, yeah... That that was the only real opportunity where where it sort of presents itself for him, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And look, it worked. It worked brilliantly. He was man of the match by far. Both these both the goals which we will get to were fantastic. But his all round play was just great. And it's like Jamie, look what can happen. When, and I don't want to be negative, but that is where the frustration with Jamie Walker comes because it's like you've shown that you can do it like just do it regularly you literally took the words out of my mouth I was just about to say that the frustration with me for regards to him is 
it's almost like it's a laziness thing. Saturday's performance showed what he's capable of, and he really did look back to his best. Um, he's he's actually got a really good footballing brain, and mm-hmm. I think he can be a real nuisance for opposition defenders. Both goals are of real quality, but obviously there's been a kind of stat that's emerged recently on the old uh, the old Twitter sphere, and after netting his 46th and 47th goal for Hearts against Morton, Jamie Walker is a hat-trick away from reaching the 50-goal milestone. Um, considering there's only 36 players in the club's history that have scored more than 50, that's that's pretty impressive. I think that's more than pretty impressive. Rudy didn't even get 50. And I think... Listen, as, as I've said multiple times, I've been very... Some may say harsh on Walker in the past, but it is just because I know what he can do on his day. And I know that on his day, he can be one of the best players in the country. Never mind in this league. Like, and him getting the 50 goals, and of course, everybody on Twitter has been going, the best place to do it, Jamie, is in a Scottish Cup final. (laughs) Do it then, please, for the love of God, do it then. But he's most likely going to get to that, unless he has a another massive injury and he should be celebrated for that obviously following in his family's footsteps as well and it is just objectively a fantastic thing and he should be given the plaudits that he deserves for that two against queens and the winner in the final for you i'd be fine if he had a two out of ten performance next week and then he scored all three against Celtic. <laughs> um it's funny that that stat i think the last player is Colin Cameron or the most recent yeah. on the list mm-hmm. you know that's crazy but then I was discussing it with obviously my dad and whatever and it it kind of it's somewhat surprising but also isn't given the lack of you know perceived loyalty in, in football but that is a phenomenal stat what's um, what's more fo- I will say obviously as I say it's absolutely phenomenal what's more phenomenal is that Rudy nearly did it in two years <laughs> well that's true um, like what was he like two away or something I, or four away I think Rudy got at least to like 46 I'm or something 100% actually maybe that's maybe a listener can enlighten us or we'll, we'll search it up but um, yeah but let's get into his goals because the first was bizarre yet brilliant for me um, it's a FIFA glitch Ollie <laughs> Lee glitches well th- this is what I was going to say because he, he's another you're right we're going to have to dedicate our a segment where could we call it like could we call it like turn up please and we can absolutely grill somebody and then they'll chuck in a man of the match performance in the next game because Daniel's demands Daniel's demands there we go Um, we've obviously been critical of Ollie Lee but some fantastic footwork like you say before firing over to Walker on the left and he strikes into the ground beyond the keeper it we, we touched on him briefly there that was Rudy Scatchell-esque for me and I was trying to think what goal I'd, I'd seen um, I, I think it was the 0506, the, the second Tynecastle derby of that season where Paul mm-hmm. Hartley takes a free kick and it comes out to Rudy kind of lurking on the yeah. edge of the box and he smashes it into the ground and scores and Archie McPherson's absolutely loving it on the commentary what, what a time to be alive but it's a great goal I have two questions for you. Mm-hmm. Did Ollie Lee mean that assist and did Jamie Walker mean that shot? I would say that Walker means the shot more than Ollie Lee means the assist because yeah. it seems like it's just a, a rad bit of juggling. Listen, it's a great ball out to him. Um, <laughs> but Yeah, it's a fantastic assist. I just don't physically understand how it happened. No, no, neither did I. It's one of them where you have to watch it kind of a good couple times where you're like, did he? Did he just actually do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second, I will say, I thought I thought Ollie Lee was really poor in the first half. Interesting. Interesting. I thought he just kept it, really poor. Might be harsh, right? But I feel like whenever we lost the ball it was him but then that only happened for the first kind of half an hour I felt like he wasn't great and then literally the rest of the game he was he was great he is, he is the slowest man I have ever seen but we played him in that more advanced role so he didn't need to do as much running I was going to say it seems like 
that game is kind of so so it's it's just a carbon copy of Ollie Lee. Just takes a while yeah. to get going, but once he gets going, he's good. Um, obviously, the the second Walker goal as well. We've touched on Andy Irving in in recent podcasts, and per, from a personal perspective, it's just absolutely no surprise seeing the Portobello Pirlo do his thing. Um, it's a lovely ball over to the left wing for Walker to cut inside, like we mentioned. Cool, calm, and composed finish. As much as the pass is praised, I also think that the touch from Walker as he's taking it in his stride goes unnoticed. What's what's the your touch? Thoughts? The touch kills the defender's chances again. Yeah, and ultimately sets him away. It's it's an absolute. It's just brilliant from all aspects. But oh my god, Andy Irving just needs to play every single week. We're a different team when he plays, and he's only twenty. Unbelievable! What a baller! Um. Barry Anderson obviously released an, an article today on the day recording saying that Hearts are, are working hard to tie him down to a long-term deal. I've run out superlatives for him, but what would that mean to you if we could agree terms with this young man to stay uh, to stay in Gorgie? It, it genuinely is one of the most important contract negotiations in years for me because we've got a rubbish record of this. Patterson leaves for free. Nicholson leaves for free. Walker initially kind of didn't get as much money as we expected to. Hickey, yeah, we got a bit of money, but should have got far more. We've been rubbish at ensuring good deals for youngsters coming through the academy, and that's the point of the academy. And Irving is just the next one who we need to secure on a several-year deal. Because, listen, I'm not naive enough to think that Andy Irvin's going to be here until he retires or even that he's going to be here in three years or even two years but if that is the case ensure that we get the money that we should be getting for him and sign him up to a several year deal he is a Hearts fan by all accounts he's really open to signing I mean Robbie has just been waxing lyrical about him as well it's so crucial. And then just from a footballing perspective, he's the best midfielder we have in the club apart from Hearing. Like, in that position. He's so he's, he's better than Lee, he's better than Halliday, he's better than Demure. He's, he looks better than McGill. We haven't obviously seen a lot of McGill, but just in terms of age, experience and ability on the ball. I'd say he's better than Cochrane. I'd say he's better than Smith. He's better than everybody in these positions. With him playing with Tick... And we look positive. And I, I can't wait to see him and Hearing properly together. I think that's just going to be fantastic. And, and how many times have we said that it genuinely has the makings of the perfect midfield partnership? Um, you're right about the the youth kind of deals as well, though. But Hearts, Hearts have had a history of this for years. Like, even... It's funny, you, you listed off a good couple there. The one that popped into my head was Andy Driver as well, when there was... Yeah supposed kind of Premier League interest and, and Hearts didn't cash in and obviously then his injuries hit and I think he obviously then left the club on a, a free transfer and whatever but it's just uh, I, I cannot stress the importance of Andy Irving signing this new contract and what baffles me is just how kind of I don't want to say how blind to the situation we were, but how kind of dismissive we were that he wasn't getting his chance to to shine in the team because he's just he's just an absolute ball. He's a joy to watch. He really is. Um, he's great. I love him. But we mentioned last week that the results are priority, and even though performances have perhaps been underwhelming, that obviously the three points are of the utmost importance. Um, I think. The performance was slightly underwhelming for me in that we probably could have grabbed a couple more. But, of course, you know me, I'm happy with the result. Is that as easy an away game as we'll get in the second tier of the season? Because, like we said earlier, it's on the road that the pair of us have voiced concerns. Yeah, I will I will say this. I, I personally disagree a wee bit. I'm actually really happy with how we played. Um, watching that 90 minutes, at no point did I think we were going to concede. Like, no. I will say a special shout-out as well to their keeper because he was on fire. Two saves in particular he made. One 
where Naismith's running onto it and Naismith volleys it and he makes a save. But in particular, a save he makes in the first half from Ollie Lee where he claws it over the bar is incredible. So if it wasn't for him, I think we would have scored a few more. But they they look really bad. Really bad. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not too encouraging from a, a much like their pitch, by the way. Oh, dreadful surface, dreadful surface. Um, but obviously, I think you're right. What what Robbie said after the game is certainly encouraging for for future away days. The precise passing, controlling the game, breaking the opposition down. Was all this evident for you? Us just moving it quicker and getting into the yeah, good areas, just, like he touched we just, on. We just looked like a better team who actually had a system and knew what we were doing. Like, I will, I will be open and honest. I was worried when I thought that it was going to be Walker and Naismith as the wide men. But I will say we haven't really mentioned them. But I thought this was Naismith's best game apart from when he came on against Hibbs. He was dictating everything as he always does. But he was actually involved in all the play and he was building it up and he was talking people through games and stuff like that. I just thought. He was excellent, and it did just scream more of a system that everybody knew their role, everybody knew what they had to do, and they did it really, really well. And long may it continue. Definitely. Of course, we're going to also touch on the fantastic result that the Gorgie girls got in the Edinburgh Derby. Um, their first win in the SWPL this season, having obviously been promoted to the top tier. You're still on social media duty, so I'm turning over to you here. Um, was it was it a deserved win? Were we, I don't want to say dominant, or was it a kind of backs-to-the-wall performance in that we just took our chance, at, or our chance I should say, when we got it? Um, it's 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 a weird one because, listen, this season's very individual for the women's game because there is no relegation this year uh, due to league reconstruction that's happening. So, a lot of teams like ourselves, who we always knew this season was going to be a bit of a struggle in terms of the opposition we're facing. Most of them are very well established, very good football teams. However, the lack of relegation has kind of given a buffer and Andy Kirk is obviously the new manager and you can tell he's building a system and you can tell he's building an identity and he he knows how he wants to play. And I think in recent games, it hasn't really come off just purely because the opposition we're playing against has either just been completely overwhelming or individuals have made some wee mistakes that have cost us and then heads have went down. However, as we record this, yesterday's performance, but as you're listening to this, Sunday's performance was almost the best performance you can get in this league for us because, yeah, listen, we basically had that one chance we, and we took it, but Charlotte and goals was just incredible. If you've seen the guys listening to this, if you go into Hibs Women's page and um, watch the highlights because the top comment is from a Hearts fan going, sorry, you, you're telling me we had Joe Pereira in goals and the whole time we've had one of the best keepers in the women's team because especially in that video three saves she makes are just fantastic and listen yeah Hibs had far more chances but we were completely defensively sound and we took our chance Um, it was an absolutely fantastic hit from Paige it was our first goal for the club in our first Edinburgh derby as she's on loan from Celtic I tweeted when she was initially signed I thought it was a really really good signing I didn't think she was going to have that level of impact, but it's a fun. T- it's arguably the biggest result in the club's young history. Just if you take into account how dominant Hibs have been in the past couple, kind of decade or so, they've been right up there with Glasgow City. We're obviously still a relatively new team, our first season in this division, and I will also say it's such a Hearts Hibs moment to happen. <laughs> Yeah, us just nicking it late on and then the absolute bedlam after. I mean, the video where you see uh, Claire Delworth as well at right back yeah. just going absolutely nuts is uh, superb. I mean, what are the fixtures looking like? How will this give us you know, a, a big boost in, in terms of our upcoming matches? 
Hopefully, because this weekend coming up, we've got another Edinburgh derby. Oh, wow. Spartans. Excellent. Uh, and they're, they're at Ainsley Park. Um, so, if you wanted momentum for an Edinburgh derby, winning another Edinburgh derby, you can't really ask for more. Um, obviously, it's away from home. We've struggled on the road recently. However, I think all Andy will need to say to them is, look, at now. you now know it can be done. And you now know how to do it. So therefore, go out and continually do it. As I say, they have played well this season. It's just games haven't gone against them. And I know you can often look at the score lines and go, well, how can you say they've played well when they've conceded so many goals in a game and stuff like that? But it's that just by the nature of it, women's football tends to have more goals in games. But generally, they have played well. New signings that we've made. Of course, we just made a new signing. Literally, it was announced hours before the game with Megan Aitchison coming in. Another really interesting sign, a Hearts fan as well all her life. So it is looking positive. I know you might think you've only got your first win after six games. However, definitely, definitely exciting and positive things coming up for the women's team. Of course, and just looking at the table, they obviously trail Hibs and Spartans by just three points. So certainly the, the motivation is there for, for Andy Kirk and his team, definitely. And of course, we've got the Scottish Cup final this month, the fixture after next. Um do you know it's a real bugbear that Queen of the South have to play us on, how on mad Saturday. is that though by the way that it's a week and a half away basically it's crazy it, it doesn't feel right at all though eh? um, nah. but something that also certainly doesn't feel right or looks right is Celtic's form of late what is going on there it's a bit I mean I was about to say it's a bit crazy but I don't think that encapsulates it enough like 11 games two wins in all competitions two 4-1 batterings of a Sparta Prague team that after the first one they said this result won't happen again then it literally happened the next available time it could happen they go 2-0 up in the San Siro and then get battered they get knocked out of the League Cup by Ross County at they home res- at home they rescue a point against St Johnston at home they have a £6 million goalkeeper that they replaced Craig Gordon with which is just one of my biggest what moments because how why would you let Craig Gordon go for free and then spend six million pounds on one of the worst goalkeepers I've ever seen in this country Shane Duffy coming in on a loan for two million and I, I said this before we probably get into it like I want to know your opinion on this I said when you look at the hype brought in the level he's played at the, and most importantly the potential implications of his failings is he the worst signing ever in Scottish football? Shane Duffy? Yeah um, I know there's worse players to have played in this league we've had about 90% of them right? <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> spoilt for choice aren't we? Um, however we've never had a player come into this league whose sole purpose was to guarantee the 10 and he looks to be one of the major reasons it may not happen it reeks of Joey Barton for me That that's the only other mm-hmm. yeah. major recent signing that I can think of where it just seemed as though it was going to be a total breeze for them coming up here and they were going to galvanise the team that they're joining lead them to the title and it would be happy, you know, the the epitome of happiness for that said club. I, I I can't off the top of my head think of a more underwhelming signing, particularly for a club the size of Celtic. I was about to say, you do need to, because like I said, we've made, in the last 18 months, worse signings than Shane Duffy. Most clubs have. Most clubs can't spend that money. But that comes into the signing and how it's been so terrible. He's on loan, but it's cost them £2 million. I mean, that alone is crazy. I, I was going to ask you, who do you think's our equivalent of Shane Duffy? Because I've got somebody in my head, certainly in the, in the past few seasons. Glenn Whelan? Yeah, that's that's exactly who I've got as well. Just yeah. I think it seems so obvious that they come up here expecting it to be a breeze, and it doesn't. It just doesn't pan out that way. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Can't I agree more. It, it is mental. Like I, 
you know, you know, you know what's coming in the final as well, though, eh? Like this. Well, that, the, well, that. this is the thing. This is what we need to talk about and why we've brought this point in because the buck ends and begins with Neil Lennon, and Hearts fans have been in the weirdest mode of their lives. <laughs> Because they almost in recent weeks want Celtic to start winning. Because the fear is that we are now, as we sit and record this, we are now 11 days, no, I can't do maths, 13 days away from the final. And our luck would be they get beat this weekend, he gets sacked on Monday... And the new guy, whoever it is, his first game is battering us. It's it's crazy. Obviously, they've they've got the game against Lille as well in the Europa League. That's a dead rubber. But I think they'll yeah. still field a strong team in order to kind of regain some confidence. Then they've got Kelly at Parkhead on Sunday. And then it's us. But is it crazy to suggest that we could be recording a podcast... Well... Put it this way, if we win it, we won't be recording a podcast on Monday because I'll still be absolutely reeking. <laughs> but is it mental to suggest that we could? There is I, never... I don't, it, I don't see why not. There has never in our lifetimes been a better time to play Celtic. No, which is the worry. Which is both a brilliant and <laughs> It's such and a heart's mentality. It's it like is. every other club in the world is looking at Celtic going, oh, I'd love to play them now. Ross County have just parked them at the League Cup. St Johnston will be gutted they didn't get a win. But his Hearts fans are sat going, nah, we're still going to fuck this somehow. I just, I just think it's a lifetime of heartbreak is the best way I can put it. Like, no matter the dross that Celtic have signed at striker. It, it seems nigh on inevitable that their first goal will be against us. It seems oh, like no. It seems like a record at Parkhead. We've obviously touched on away days. I think a record at Parkhead must be the worst in the country. Adam, I've just realised something. What were you going to say? This is going to be Lee Griffiths' revenge oh, for five one. Please don't. He's going to start because there's been. He's been kind of the joker of this he's been the kind of I don't want to say whipping boy of this but a lot of pundits and stuff like that and Neil Lennon himself have singled out Lee Griffiths this will be the game Lennon will put his trust in him and purely because he'll be like mind what they did to you eight years ago go and battle them and he will get beat 1-0 we'll dominate and he'll get the goal I was going to say I could see a Lee Griffiths winner off the bench. So that that would just oh, be oh, this is all oh, this nightmare. is now what's going to happen. What what's your dream scenario? Let's uh, let's be positive because dream scenario is I, we win ten nil. <laughs> but or a, uh, let me rephrase that a semi realistic dream scenario because I don't I I just we've talked about it being a free hit, but now I'm getting to the stage where given their form of late. It's getting closer. It's, it's kind of like... Oh. It's, but, but it's not even that. I'd, I'd almost be disappointed if we didn't win. Because <laughs> I, of how I bad they actually far. are. I wouldn't go that far because it's still us. <laughs> it is still us. <laughs> Regardless of how bad they are, it is still us. And fundamentally, we do have to say this, we are a, currently a championship side. That is a factor. However, you asked me what my potentially achievable dream scenario is. Now, in our lifetimes, we have watched a team that featured, by the 90th minute, Cole Stockton, Connor Randall, Ross Callahan, and Rafa Zelak beat Celtic 4-0. You're not suggesting a 4-0. No, but what I'm saying is, if that team can beat them 4-0, this team has a chance. Oh, of course, of course. I, I never. I think you need to only look at the media coverage as well in this in this country because everybody's harping on about it's a strong heart squad. They're a Premiership club. Yada yada yada. There's just a part of me that feels as though in a in a ninety minute game, anything can happen. I think, technically speaking, this is obviously the nineteen twenty final. But I was going to mm-hmm. say, even the eighteen nineteen when we were on that horrendous run under Levine, 
and I think most folk had anticipated that we would get battered. We mm-hmm. then take the lead through Ryan Edwards of all people. You know, not only that, we played them off the park for seventy minutes until Hearing went off. But, uh, well, this is what I'm trying to get at. Sometimes you just never know. Like even '98, when I look at that Rangers team, and everybody talks about how how good Rangers were in the '90s. Sometimes, sometimes there just comes a point where you get that stroke of luck. Every, every dog has its day. I'm a firm believer in that, and I can't see any reason why this couldn't be our day. Imagine, imagine, right? And by the way, guys, we will say we're going to dedicate another segment next week, obviously, to this because it will be the preemptive. But we wanted to speak about this now just to kind of discuss Celtic's form this week. Because next week it will be more about the game itself, who would pick and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. However, I'll mention this probably next week, but just think, we potentially, come Christmas even, we'll just use Christmas, we can say that we are the team to stop Celtic's unbeaten run and the quadruple treble. And potentially lose Neil Lennon's job. Yeah, but think, think of that. I, that we as a fan base can say to Celtic that's mental that's that, legitimately mental that is some top trolling right there to be fair I just oh, I'd give anything for us to do them they're, they're the one club throughout my life that I've just they're just they're just there like they're my most hated because we, we've never finished above them in my life ever we've beaten Hibs in a final obviously in your lifetime obviously I was born the month after we've beaten Rangers in a final we've lost to Celtic in a final they're just they're just that they're that annoying bugbear of mine it would just be nice to, obviously you've you mentioned end of the run and that was brilliant one of the best league games if not the best league game I've ever been at Mm-hmm. but it would just be amazing to do them in a final and particularly when you look at the rest of the cup Rangers in the well, quarter final that's what I was just about to tick. say would this Hibs in the be semi, our best tick. run ever oh without a shadow of a doubt but excluding Airdrie and Falkirk still though Airdrie famously a team that we're yeah. rubbish against yeah, yeah. but like, like I was saying Rangers in the quarters Hibs in the semi Celtic in the final if you could if you could gain a general consensus of the two, potentially three teams that Hearts would most like to beat en route to winning a major honour, it would be Hibs and Celtic easily and then Rangers. See, see, obviously I have a slightly different perspective. I have Hibs as my most hated and I hate Celtic and Rangers the same. Like, I just fucking hate... I hate them all, but Hibs for me is, is the team I hate most. But... Even taking away personal rivalry, that's a club who is arguably the third biggest club in Scotland beating the other three out of the four biggest clubs. Wow, Aberdeen not in there for you, no? Aberdeen could be, yeah, that's what I mean. Aberdeen the one exception. Yeah, Aberdeen yeah. and Hibs, like, and us. That's the ever-long debate. Who's the, yeah, 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 like, who's the, who are the bigger, what's the order? But you know what I mean? Like, in my head, anyway, to me... The three biggest clubs outside ourselves are Hibs, Rangers and Aberdeen. And to say that you've beaten all three of them in a row, it's just unthinkable almost. No, it, it is. And it just... Honestly, what I'd give... I, 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 don't, I don't even care who who scores the winner. Just... Oh, it would Imagine just the staunchness if Jamie Walker passes to Andy Halliday who scores the winner. I was going to say even Stephen Naismith. Oh yeah, to Steve Walker crosses it in, who passes it to Halliday, who lays it on a plate for Naismith. I was thinking Walker crosses into the box, Naismith, the most blatant dive of all time to win the penalty, <laughs> and Andy Halliday steps up to avenge his demons, slots it home. I just there's honestly. so many. Also, this because again we won't really speak about this next week because it's not as important. There's so many interesting statistics of this competition due to COVID. Obviously, it's the longest-running Scottish Cup campaign. We could say whoever wins gets to say they won that. But also, 
particularly in our team, there's some very interesting stats. Craig Gordon will most likely get a winner's medal regardless. Which is mental. And Andy Halliday will be the first player ever to be knocked out in the quarterfinal and play in the final. Oh. Jeez, oh. Because obviously in all other past seasons you would be cup-tied. Yeah. That's that's bonkers. Um, obviously he might not play in the final, but by current selection you imagine he would play in the final. Yeah, yeah I mean, it just honestly, I feel as though we could spend all day talking about this, the build-up to this final, but... I think that next week it's going to be like... Queen of the South a little bit. Right. <laughs> this game. Queen of the South analysis and then bang on the Celtic preview. Exactly. Um but yeah. So so your dream scenario is what? Just a My win at a win at any at any cost. If you if you said to me after the game, what would you want and if I could just write it, Genie gives me a wish, it would be that this sounds mental, but mm-hmm. that we start getting beat. <laughs> we and come from we behind to one, do it. And come from behind 2-1, 90th minute. Like, that would, that's the perfect dream. But obviously... Honestly, I'm, I'm down with that. But generally, if we could win, like, three... If we could have it done by half-time, and the second half is the most boring thing that has ever happened, oh, no. I'd be dancing around my living room. No, I'd, I'd hate... I, I feel as though that 45 minutes would turn into 45 year. Oh, yeah, it definitely would. But, I mean, like, after it, it would just be the most worthwhile... 45 minutes of your life <laughs> no that's true I guess for me I'm wanting some kind of I'm wanting the 2012 semi again to be honest <sighs> that that was brilliant <sighs> us take the lead kind of just after half time be kind of wrongly pulled back for some sort of altercation like their Hooper goal was offside and then right. us get an equally terrible decision going our way <laughs> and making the most of it for once. Well, it's John be beaten amazing. in charge, so it's very likely to happen. Well, this this is what I was going to ask you as well, because do you not feel as though there's kind of some narrative whereby he would be perceived to be on our side, but would kind of, I don't want to say cater to Celtic as such, but it'd be kind of more lenient for any Celtic fouls or whatever as though he's trying to prove himself to them do you see, do you see where I'm coming from I totally see where you're coming from I just think all referees in Scotland are too shit to have thoughts like that Just they're too rubbish they can't merchants. think for themselves like that yeah they're just massive bottle merchants and they'll just if any rubbish decisions are made I personally don't buy into that oh it's because it's Celtic or it's because it's Rangers it's like no it's because they're rubbish referees and shouldn't be at this level yeah, no, that's fair enough. Although there, there is a part of me that was kind of hoping for, I don't know, Willie Collum because he refereed the four <laughs> 0 didn't he? He did. Were you Willie? What a guy! Um, he also refereed the semi last month, where he gave two of the worst penalty shots I've ever seen, <laughs> and and also that the eighteen nineteen final as well against them. I was just about to say where they gave a shocking penalty decision yeah. there. I know. So I want yeah, them as far well, away from that not. game as possible. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, definitely ne- next week we can go, we can go uh, final heavy if you like. Definitely. Of course, the only game that separates. Hearts from another Scottish Cup final and potential ninth Scottish Cup victory is the Dunhamers, i.e. Queen of the South at Tynecastle this Saturday afternoon. What's what's your thoughts regarding that, mate? Because I've got to be honest, if we don't smash them, I will be very disappointed. They look hopeless, eh? They really do. Absolutely rotten. Have they still got Dobby? They do. I, I was going to say, I think the, the only concerns for me are Stephen Dobie and the boy um, Aidan Fitzpatrick. He's oh, a, he, he's yeah. a good wee player. The boy that went to... I think he's on loan from Norwich. Yes. Um, and was it was it Partick Thistle? I think he's still uh, still a teenager, actually, but he's meant to be the next the next kind of real deal. <sighs> I'll be I'll be gutted if we don't absolutely do Queen of the South, to be honest. I, just I, I will be honest. I'll take, like, a 2-0. Like, oh, I don't really, goes I don't really care saying. about that. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't think we... Like, I've seen a lot of people already 
say this needs to be a statement of intent for the final, it needs to be 7-0, it needs to be 5-0, we need to just completely whitewash them. I don't think it works like that. I think win, lose or draw at the weekend, I don't think that'll affect the cup final. That's its own thing. That's a separate entity, isn't it? Exactly. However, for me, the this game is if I look at it objectively, is it as big a game because it's a league game? And we need to be winning every league game, particularly when we're at home. Well, that was going to be the the, the saving grace for me that I was just about to say. Do you not think that it's kind of... It's wrong to dismiss these matches. But at at home, I feel as though it's a case of when we're going to score, not if. Mm -hmm. I I totally agree that that really hit home to me when we played Inverness and even when they pegged one back... I was just sat there going, oh, we're still going to win this. Yeah. And, and if it was away from home, I would never think that. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt as though we, we could even have gone on and just kind of sealed the deal late on, didn't it? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think that is so simultaneously crucial and it creates this atmosphere that it is just expected, which I know some people will go, that allows complacency. Stuff like that, and I do get that point. But... So far, it's not, and we should be expected to win every single game at home. No, of of course, and I think the, the positive we can take from it as well is, obviously, like Robbie's said in recent pressers, sides do nick points off one another in this league, and the Fife derby was obviously proof of that, and us going back to the top should be a morale boost in itself, and it seems as though seems as though everything's kind of aligning for us now which yeah. which is which is bizarre because all all we've done is win away from home and yet the stars just do you know do you know what i mean it seems to all just be coming up coming up together it's totally it's, it's weird and i think that plays into why i was very hesitant and Robbie said himself, and you were as well, I say that as if you weren't, we were both very hesitant to throw the toys out the pram and be like, everything's a nightmare after last week was objectively terrible. That seven-day period was objectively really, really bad. Mm. However, exactly one 90 minutes of football happened and we went top of the week by a point. It's not just equal points. And it it kind of now just feels like this should be it now. We should just be off, off to the races. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think because of because of our criticism of of recent performances as well, it seems like we're still picking up points, and we've yet to really hit our stride. Definitely, mm-hmm. which obviously we hope will come at at tiny on Saturday. I mean, it, uh, Queens should be. I mean, this this really. If we thought that Morton was routine, this really should be as well, should it not? Definitely. I think the main discussion slash contentious point will be what team you field because the I know I did just say the final takes place takes care of itself, but not in terms of injuries and fitness. So what do you do? Do you play do you play full strength, which I do imagine Robbie will do, because there is a week in between. But do you play full strength? get the win and ensure that those players are in a winning mentality and they're used to it or do you go what if Herring gets a massive injury what if Walker gets a massive injury we're going to be screwed and we need them so you rest them but then there's a potential chance that they lose that form like even missing out for a game I don't, what do you think? Well it's funny you mentioned obviously Big Pete there I think I don't feel as though Robbie will go full strength I feel as though Interesting. He might extract one or two key components, you know, that the players that we we can't really live without. So I could see like a. He's obviously a big fan of Halkit. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be against fielding Berra and Popescu on Saturday. And okay, interesting. I will actually say that just before you go on, uh-huh. fair play to Berra, by the way. In recent weeks, he's no, coming totally. and looked solid. Yeah, totally agree. And there were so many of the fan base, myself as well, to a little extent, that had written him off. So, so no, fair play. I mean, I don't want him on the park at Hamden. No, but certainly in and amongst the, the boys. Yeah. 
Um, his experience is invaluable, and the, the spell at Dundee, I think, I think has set the tone. He's he, he's easily capable at Championship level. So no, I, like I say, I wouldn't be against um, Berra and Pepescu starting. The the full backs for me, I could see why they'd be given game time. Wouldn't be opposed to an A.D. White starting. Interesting. Jury's Dur- still out for me on Jamie Brandon, so maybe keep Smith in there. But then Smith's played a lot of football as well, because obviously he's had his Northern Ireland has. exploits and whatever, so maybe now might be the time. Midfield, I, I could see a, a couple changes. Um, maybe your man Scott McGill, your boy Scott McGill, might get his, uh, his time to shine. I, I genuinely I hope so I think this could be a really good game for McGill because he should be able I know he's really young and he's quite a wee guy as well but he should be able to dictate play in that game yeah I, I don't see why not um, just try to think for me the big for me the big the big call is what do you do with boys mm. are, you, are you asking me as in what would I do or have you got something both. in mind no, I don't really know. I was going to say both. What do you think Nielsen will do and what would you do? Because, as Nielsen said, the reason he was taken out was an injury. Now, yes, a small injury, and Nielsen's been like, yeah, he'll be fine for this weekend. However, there is that feeling that Hearts fans have seen this before, where somebody picks up a wee... I mean, Janelli, this season, apparently it was just a wee thing and he'll be back next week. And what is that? Like, a month and a half now we've not seen him? So Since our growth, yeah. Yeah, so what happens if you play boys and then his hamstring gets a wee bit tighter and then he can't play at the weekend? But then what if you don't play boys, he's not got that game time, and then he come he starts against Celtic and pulls up fifteen minutes in. This is uh this is why we're not paid obviously the, the money to make these decisions. <laughs> yeah. No, it's do you know there's a part of me that feels as though he'll, he'll give boys a half or so in this game there's also the argument that boys should be I mean we've said this about every team in this league but boys should be scoring against Queen of the South so do you want to get him into that form going in but he wasn't really in that form against Hibs and did it so it's so many different options I I would love to see Liam Boyce start score and be hauled off at half time if you're asking me that's fair Just, just, just because of like you say his his need for a goal, and equally the same, the same kind of injury doubts. Mm-hmm. But again, it's interesting. What what would you do? I really don't know. I've been thinking about it kind of throughout today, at um, work and stuff like that. Because it's one of those things. There is a week. It's not like we're playing on the. It's not like we're playing on Wednesday and then we have the semi final three days later. Eh, the final three days later, like even if boys maybe does pull up a wee bit or just feels a bit tight so as to come off he's then got a week's worth of rehab but I, I really like that suggestion for you start him up front first half hopefully get a goal and then take him off second put Whiten on up front who knew I could be so insightful I know what's happened <laughs> uh, what what about midfield we, we sort of skimmed over midfield What what's your thoughts there all I'm thinking about is Andy Irvin because I'm what now. Listen, I know I've spoken about it too much, but in my FM series, Herring and Irving were my midfield for sixteen games, and then three days before the Aberdeen semi-final, they both got hurt and missed it. And all that's happening in my head is the fear that we play Herring and Irving, they both get hurt and miss the the final. Could this be a a Halliday Lee McGill trio for you? I would have said no before Saturday because as I've said twice now I never want to see Lee and Halliday again but clearly I'm going to see Lee and Halliday again and they actually did alright at the weekend so maybe yeah have that experience in behind youth do you know this entire conversation just brings a a ton of dilemmas if you if you picked an 11 to play Queen of the South what, what would you go right right here right now Right, Gordon and goals, obviously. 
A.D. White, Michael Smith, Bera Popescu. Interesting. Halliday McGill, Walker Naismith, Lee Boyce in a 4-3-3. Interesting. What would you go with? This is purely just to minimise injury to the players I find most important which are Irving, Halkett and, Hal- uh, and Herring, and also to hopefully get Boyce in goal-scoring form. But then there's Walker, who's just uh, turned alive yeah, this weekend well, as well. Well, I'm already thinking of the debate that I'm having on the left. I just never want to see Jordan Roberts or Elliot Free play again, though. <laughs> Lewis Moore! Lewis Moore, chuck him back in. That's not a bad shout, either. Where is he? God knows. Um... Gorningle I, I just am going to have to give Stephen Kingsley a rest so mm-hmm. I'll go, that was my logic as well I'll go White Berra Pescu I would be inclined to play Jamie Brandon I know that back four screams just the fear but it's Queen of the South you're right exactly. you should be able to get through yeah. that like all I've said stop Aidan Fitzpatrick and Stephen Dobie and we'll win the game Midfield, I like that. I like that that trio of Halliday, Lee, and McGill. I like the thought of Thank that. Thank you. The flanks again, though. Jesus. Are you playing a four three three or a four one two? Oh, a four two three one. I'd go Roberts and Freer either side. I know that's terrible. <sighs> and Boyce to start to be then hold off. Who in the ten? Oh, McGill. McGill, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I'd probably go Lee. Oh, Lee, sorry, of course. Um, surely, I, I mean, I know we're both kind of going <gasps> about Roberts and Freer, but surely they should be able to do well against Queen of the South. This is it. I mean, that's it, <laughs> funny. We've talked about kind of us chucking the toys at the pram, and yet we're we're seemingly <laughs> writing off Jordan Roberts <laughs> and Elliot Freer after a handful of league games. With um, Jordan Roberts apparently nursing a niggle. Oh, brilliant. Um, so, do you know what? If they want to stay here, it's time to get the finger out. So, yeah. Yeah. This is, like, this is as good a chance as ever. Queens are probably going to be, I'd say, eighth downwards. So, yeah. They're probably the worst full-time team in the country. So this is yeah. a chance to, to lay down a marker. You're basically playing the reserves, apart from Gordon <laughs> and Boyce. And even then, I'm going to haul Boyce off. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be Gordon and a bunch of 12-year-olds by the 90th minute. Oh, Joel. You, we've talked about um, Moore and Henderson. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them come in. Yeah, see? I put them left and right mid. Why not? Why not? Now's, now's the time. The kids are alright. There we go. And then what's actually going to happen is it's going to be complete full strength on Saturday. And our three substitutions will be used for injured players. Yeah, he's that hearing Irving and Boyce. Oh my god. See when, see when that happens and somebody finds this, they're going to be so angry. Oh, I know. What's your score prediction though? Um. I, I spoke with Cammy Anderson to obviously kind of get the lowdown on Queens, given he's done the the Pure Championship podcast, and mm-hmm. I said to him, "I'll be disappointed if we don't hit three or four because obviously we talked about how rank they are, and simultaneously I've just come on and said that I'd probably play the kids and some <laughs> reserves. I'll just go two no hearts, bog standard, comfy." Yeah, the the backup brigade will have enough. What about you? Four 0 battering. Wow! But then you've On got a stronger eleven, I suppose. You've it's got happening. a stronger eleven, so I I could see that. True. And Robbie, I mean, must be we're going to get beat one 0 <laughs> A Stephen Doby winner from an Aidan Fitzpatrick yes. cross. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> well. What a way to end with even in the most like positive one we've had still that wee bit of negativity but a massive thank you to everyone who's listened 
absolutely huge week next week. We'll be covering the Queen of the South game. A hidden feature that we haven't spoken about yet, but tune in next week to hear about that. And then the rest of the podcast, it'll probably be a longer one, will be about the upcoming Scottish Cup final against Celtic Football Club, who will hopefully still have Neil Lennon in charge of their team. However, thank you for listening again. We are at Perth to Paisley on literally every social platform and also every podcast platform, as I found out, thinking that we weren't, but we're actually on Google Podcasts and have been for months. So that's great. If you like us on Google Podcasts, listen to us there. As I say, we're on the socials at Perth to Paisley. Email us, perthtopaisley at gmail.com. If you have a question or a comment, tweet us, leave us a Facebook comment. We're on YouTube as well. We're everywhere. Adam, where are you on social media? I'm at Adam T. Kendall on all the socials. Yourself? I am at MacIver the Mark. Follow us there. And we'll just have a lovely time, a routine win against Queen of the South, and then the terrifying prospect of a potential fourth Scottish Cup in my lifetime and third in Adam's lifetime. But thank you very Thanks much very for listening. Much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just just remember that. I will always see one more Scottish Cup than you, regardless of what happens. Thanks so, very much, mate. Sorry. So thank you very much for listening. <laughs>